Welcome to our God's Word for Today devotional, my friends and brethren in the Lord. And let me read to us our text for today in Romans chapter 3, verse 9 to 18. And this is the sad account of how man is described in the Bible as sinful. And we you know when we talk about the good news, there is a good news because there is a bad news also. The beauty why the good news is really very needful and necessary for us is that there is a bad news. All of us are sinful. Let me read to us this verses, Romans chapter 3, verse 9 to 18. What then? Are we just any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin, as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, and their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So Paul emphatically said here that there is none righteous, no, not one. None is righteous. Once more, Paul asks the question, what then? Are we Jews better off? He included himself because he is a Jew. He says they are not. Paul pointed out once more that every person is under sin, whether he's a Jew or a Gentile. And Paul begins to substantiate his claim that no one is righteous with a series of quotations from the Old Testament. This means that the idea of universal sinfulness of mankind is not a new idea. It's not a New Testament idea. It is taught in the Bible in the Old Testament. Firstly, Paul quoted David who wrote Psalm 14 when in verse 3 when he said, There is none who does good. Not even one. He moved on to quote Psalm 14, verse 2, the previous verse. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. Let's look into the language here. God was not glancing at the worst attitudes and actions of humanity. In a figurative way, the Lord is searching quote-unquote, he searched to see if there is anyone who understood God or looked for him. It's like somebody turning every stone in order to find somebody righteous, but no one can be found. Nobody did. This is a crucial reality, which is very basic to the gospel. As I said, we must understand how sinful we are in order to appreciate the gospel. Nobody seeks after God without God's working through the Spirit's conviction because our nature is corrupted so that we could not and do not know God by ourselves. No one seeks after God. Paul continues as he paraphrases David's words in Psalm 14, verse 3. He did not quote this word for word, but he paraphrased. That all have turned aside from following God's righteous path. All become worthless and corrupt. Not a single person is found to do good with respect to the standards of a holy and perfect judge. But let me just say a note or a caveat here. 
Paul is not saying that man could not do anything good. He is not saying that man is totally corrupt that he cannot do anything good. So what does he mean here by good? What he means is that the standard of man's goodness isn't acceptable before God. Yes, we do good, but it's not acceptable to God that can pay our sins. Like, for example, an act of man may help others like he helped the needy, he donate money to the Red Cross, or right now when there are people who are suffering in the Middle East and he donate money, those are good things. Those are good deeds. And it will help people who are in need. And people might do things in accordance to what the Bible says. Now, what the Bible says to love our neighbor, to show good to people who are in need, and that's biblical. But to be classified as good before God is that our heart should be inclined to Him, not for self-serving motive. What, what is important before God is the motive. The bottom line is that humans are capable of doing good, but our motives may not be what it, it is for God to be placed because universally we do not choose to by God's standards. We want what we want and not what he wants. So concealed in the good deeds of people is the motive of just for the self. And that does not happen if, if not for the depravity and the corruption of our hearts. So what I mean by doing good, it must be not only biblical and it can help people, but it must be coming from a regenerate heart, a heart that is changed by God so that it would be acceptable before God. So anything good that a man will do if he is not changed by the power of God, by the Spirit of God, is not really good at all. There is nothing good that can please God. All of our good things or all that we do good, according to Isaiah, are just filthy rags. It's not acceptable before God. And then Paul moved on by highlighting the sins through our tongues and mouths, as he quoted Psalm chapter 10, verse 7. That is, who we are apart from God's help and power. He describes men's tongue and, and words are hurting because we know from principle in the Gospels, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So also he moved on to say about man's feet. He described man's feet as quick to shed blood. Paul referenced this to Isaiah 59, verse 7 to 8. Suddenly, the description here is that wherever a man will go, he will corrupt the place. He will corrupt and ruin and make the place and people miserable. So every place where there is a man, there is corruption and desolation and destruction. Isn't it true? When we talk about environment, when we talk about the natural resources, whenever there is a man, there's always the tendency to abuse it. Like, for example, in the Philippines, we have a lot of natural resources, but it's depleting because there's the tendency for men to abuse. And 
you know, we, we are not satisfied with enough, you know, how much scratch of face we are satisfied. We want more. So we deplete our seas with the natural resources of fishes. And how much more lumber could we sell and build our houses? So we cut logs and until such time that there are no trees remaining in our forests. So wherever there is a man, there is always a sign of destruction, decay, and all this stuff, because this is what the Bible says. Indeed, as the Bible says, there is nothing good that the flesh can produce, but the flesh always corrupt. Thus, peace for him is very elusive. There's no peace in man. There's no peace for a wicked man. It's not our nature to walk away from sin and conflict. But it seems to us that it's the nature of man to create it along the way. We want peace. We say that we want peace. But actually, the things that are happening is that there is no peace. Because this peace is elusive. It cannot be by man's abilities, ingenuities. This peace is from God. As Jesus said, peace I live with you, not that the world can give I unto you. Here in this passage that we have read, this is the longest string of quotations from Old Testament that Paul quoted. He has shown how human beings use their bodies to express their sinful natures. When we speak, sin comes out. Paul concluded with a quote comes from Psalm 36 verse 1 where David describes the wicked as having no fear of God before their eyes. Paul insists that all human beings, Jews and Gentiles alike, meet this description in Romans chapter 3 verse 10 that there is none righteous, no, not one. Certainly, all of us, you and I, we are not righteous. We deserve God's anger and judgment because we are sinful. But I will, let, I will not leave you hanging on this because although this is our condition because of our sinfulness, that we have received as a curse from the fall. The Lord Jesus Christ came down. He is the second Adam. While we inherited the sinfulness from our first Adam, who fell into sin, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, as described by Paul, he is sinless. He was crucified for our sins, and he rose again. While the first Adam caused us to fell into sin. The second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, brings us back to him. He forgives us of our sins by faith. So I hope that you can appreciate now why we have to know how sinful we are, how hopeless, and how miserable are we, that we should be broken in order for us to be driven to go to the Lord Jesus Christ who grants us or who grants us free grace, free salvation in him. That makes the gospel very beautiful. And I hope that you receive that gospel, free gospel by faith alone, so that you can have the peace, you can have the forgiveness, you can have the relationship with God in Christ. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you have 
use this passage, Lord, to remind us of how hopeless we are because of the nature of sin corrupting and eroding our hearts, Lord. And Lord, as described by, by Paul here, it's really very graphic that our tendencies, our propensities are to go into things that are sinful and to rebel against God. No one seeks after God. But thank you, Lord, because you love us and you took the initiative to bring us back to you. And Father, thank you that many of us have realized our sins so that we come to you, repenting of our sins and believing on Jesus and your promises that we have received forgiveness. And I pray that you will be more because you are not willing that any should perish, but that they also will come to repentance. Thank you for these words this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.